0: Welcome back to Late Bloomers, the web series, the podcast. I'm Pooja.
1: And I'm Rashi.
0: And today we are continuing on with season three, episode three of Never Have I Ever, Never Have I Ever Had a Valentine. This episode was directed by Smriti Mudra who worked on A Suitable Girl and was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Documentary Short in 2020 for her film, St. Louis Superman. She's also a producer on Indian Matchmaking. This episode was written by Asmita Paranjape, who also wrote last season's Daisy Buchanan episode and is currently a story editor and writer on Wolf. This episode was fairly dense. You can tell an Academy Award-winning director worked on it. So we are gonna dive right in.
1: So we open with a montage of Valentine's Days of Yore. First, we see Baby getting a teddy bear from her dad, who tells her that she'll always be his Valentine. Then we see her and her friends, the UN, walking the halls with each other and nobody else while everybody else is kissing and sharing gifts. And finally, we see a flower delivery mistake where the delivery man says, oh, sorry, little boy. This is for the (laughs) house next door. So Baby's not a Valentine's Day person like many of us. But this year is different because she has a boyfriend and Paxton said he Febrezed his futon for the occasion. Classic. So Davy sees Haley fist bump Paxton and she's afraid that she inadvertently rekindled something between them. Haley tells Paxton loudly in the hallway so everyone can hear basically that he is her perfect match for the student council's personality match quiz. Jonah delivers Davy's results to her personally, and hers turn out to be what? But Lady Whistleboy himself, Eric Perkins, who walks in wearing an Eric and Rosalia and Love and Forever shirt and trips and falls over the trash can. <laughs> Classic Eric. Let me ask you, why is Haley doing this right in front of Davy?
0: I feel like they're trying very hard not to write to because the actress playing Haley is Filipino Australian. They're trying really hard not to have two young Asian women fighting with each other in the episode because we already did that last season. So it's not outright making Haley the enemy, but what she is doing is shady. Like if anybody did this to your man, you know that somebody else's man. And all of a sudden you're rekindling a friendship during a new relationship that's three weeks old. I know they are teenagers, but Paxson isn't. And I just cannot handle Haley being petty. I mean, I live for petty, I love petty, but this is just, this is
1: shady shit. Can you imagine if it's like, how would you get back with your ex? That's such an interesting story. I'd like to hear it. You're like, oh yeah, well I DM'd his girlfriend and pretended to be a troll and then met with her and became friends with her and then had her get him to apologize to me so we could be close again. What the hell?
0: This is this part in Jerry Springer Amore where they reveal to Haley that is standing backstage, and Davy just comes out with a chair and just brains her. Like this is <laughs> that of, of petty and childishness. Oh my God. Okay, we officially start the episode in the lounge in front of the vending machines with Davy telling Fab and Eleanor that she doesn't understand why or how she's compatible with Eric when she is in fact dating the hottest boy in school. Okay, so how compatible are they for real? Let's look at this objectively. Eric Perkins is a pill to be around and gets mad for no reason. Remember him yelling at the chemistry teacher, talking about if you don't let me go to the bathroom, (laughs) that's gonna be me. Remember him kicking Fabiola off the robotics team as team captain. Like, I mean, that was just a father, but just remember, he's an unpleasant person who comes in after the bake sale at the PPA to get the leftovers, right? Eric's the butt of everyone's joke. Davy, we learned last season, nobody notices her. She cancels out other people's popularity. So I feel like they are compatible in their, you know, off-puttingness. <laughs> yeah, there are a couple you
1: don't want to think about being romantic. I don't know how Rosalia does it. Picking right up, Fabiola
0: starts asking the right question. She Oprah's her, if you will. She asks if Davey is more mad that Haley got Paxton, or is she or is she mad about her getting Eric? Okay, Fabiola, we see you. I before we move on, what the fuck is Eleanor wearing? She is wearing a gold sequin turban. And you pointed out that she looks like Zoltar. I hope people, I hope our audience is old enough to know who the hell Zoltar
1: is. <laughs> if so, they've ever wished that they could be big, they'll remember.
0: <laughs> so every man on the planet knows Okay. <laughs> the team is trying to reassure Davy that Paxson is super into her and she has no reason to worry about Haley. After picturing them having sex, why and why would she do that to herself? She realizes why the computer says that they're a perfect match. Eleanor, for once, is telling her not to read into it. It's just dumb teenagers at a dumb school. Anissa sits down. Bab is obviously a little awkward and nervous, and McEnroe tells us that there's awkwardness because they have not discussed anything yet. Jonah comes in, the cherub that he is, and tells them the quiz is not dumb, that it was modeled after some Nobel Prize-winning scientist at MIT, developed by them and it's accurate fact check, that does not exist, at least according to Uncle Google. We looked and none of them developed a personality test. And if they did, like that should disqualify them from receiving a Nobel.
1: <laughs> I did a deep dive into this and there are 36 Nobel laureate faculty at MIT, past and present. Most of them have won awards in physics or economic sciences. I did find two men, Gail and Shapley, both from California schools, who came up with a matchmaking theory. And it's not like a dating matchmaking theory, but Shapley and Roth, who is from Harvard Business School, expanded on this research and won the 2012 prize in economic sciences. The match that they specifically used was the match that medical students do to get a residency like that match program that like you getting chosen to go to parkland so that's the matchmaking we're talking about well
0: listeners this is very spoilery it's kind of like in that debate thing about the newspaper they'll get it when we get to the episode but it's like the debate thing with the newspaper not accurate
1: yeah that's (laughs) meta
0: that's how meta of them
1: all right so now we're walking down the hallway Fabiola is marveling that. She didn't know that Gears took the quiz because Gears is her match. Eleanor got Trent. Anissa says she got Ben. And Fab reacts really awkwardly here. Davy asks Fab if she's feeling weird. And Fab is like, whoa, 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 ah! like she thinks that they're onto her about the Anissa thing. But for once, Davy asked a question that wasn't about her. She was asking if Fab feels crappy on Valentine's Day because Eve isn't there. And Fab's like, oh, yeah, her, Eve, totally, (laughs) totally miss her. Yep. So Eleanor double curses the group by talking about, I don't know that all of the couples are going to make it through Valentine's Day. And maybe Anissa are both like, what, why? And she said, I need to break up with Trent. He's not very deep, as if we didn't know this previously. (laughs) And she wants to be with another artist, or at least another Sagittarius. Okay, so how have we not realized this about Paxton yet either? That he's shallow, he's not very bright, and that Davy only saw him give a little bit of effort last year. How how have we not seen that he's externally handsome and not a whole lot else?
0: Because girls at that age think with their libidos. I almost said something very inappropriate. That's why she hasn't realized that Paxton... Is in my opinion worse than Trent because Trent has that weird stoner philosopher vibe going. He's very open with his emotions. He's very communicative. He has weird knowledge. Like his dad's a Somali, even though the sommelier, he was doing this for underage drinkers, it still he understands <laughs> good yeah. things. I think Trent is better than Paxton. There I said it. Come for me if you want. I have receipts.
1: Now Ben shows up and he announces that he got Anissa on his match. And he thinks that the match is creepy, like real 1984 vibes. Anissa's like, what, like the Taylor Swift album? And Ben does that weird, condescending, mansplaining thing where it's like, oh, 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 no, I gotta get you a little library card. Huh? and fab looks like she wants to shove him into a locker eleanor's mouth just falls open and then everybody just doesn't acknowledge it well actually no fab does fab says she thinks that 1989 has more literary relevance than anything george orwell has ever written but she doesn't know if that's true because she only listens to podcasts but she's (laughs) an honor student come on now
0: I mean, listen, this is my problematic moment. And if you listen to our season two recap, you will know why. Malcolm treated Eleanor like Ben is treating Anissa, but more aggressively. Ben is trying to laugh it off, but he's doing very abusive things by belittling her. And remember, we said last time we talked about this, that belittling someone in public is a sign of domestic violence, domestic abuse intimate partner violence so the UN did not call Ben out or stick up for Anissa and didn't say I don't like the way he talked to you the way they did that to Eleanor last season and to that I asked are you fucking kidding me right now
1: okay first of all we didn't see Baby's reaction but I was surprised that only Fab stood up on this one Baby should have
0: yeah the Fab thing that'll progress us in another episode at a party where Fab is just trying to one-up been intelligence wise but in true fab form you know she's sticking up for her friend but I just thought last year with them telling Eleanor like you should you don't deserve to be treated like this I'm just very surprised that that reaction didn't occur here for any stuff.
1: Ah I wonder if that reaction didn't occur because last year it almost cost them their relationship with Eleanor mm. and it really caused a lot of friction in their group.
0: That makes sense and you know what the solution was. Take Ben out to the parking lot and beat his ass. Somebody got to learn. We are in the Leanie's office. We're back to work with her for the first time in season three. And who should appear because you said her name three times is Raya. She is there to get a rash looked at and chit chat like one does. I got to ask, was it the common elixir, Raya? What was in that? We still do not know. They're making small talk. Melania diagnoses her with tinea corporis, which is a form of athlete's foot. And Raya believes it's the unwashed yoga mat at the yoga studio. Why is she using public mats? That's her own damn problem. So Uncle Google says that tinea corporis is also a form of ringworm. And Rashi, since we are Indian and last episode we claimed to be mental health experts, let's do some public health dermatology.
1: What you got for the people? Tinea corporis is a superficial fungal skin infection of the body caused by dermatophytes. This is from the National Center for Biotechnology Information. This is part of the National Library of Medicine at the National Institute of Health. So I didn't just make it up. It's found worldwide. It can be found all over your body. And there are different names for different areas. There's one for your scalp, hands, groin. Feet, which is the athlete's foot one, right? Tinea pedis. The treatment is really just like a cream or antifungal spray.
0: Well, if Paxton ever got any type of tinea corporis on any part of his body, half the straight female population of Sherman Oaks High would also have tinea corporis. I point to you, the poor student who was giving him a handjob in the planetarium that could have been the spread <laughs> uh, of ringworm to hand ringworm. That's all I'm saying. TSA. That's how,
1: that's how it spreads. Outbreak. Now, I don't want to have things in common with Raya. Unfortunately, I've had more than one. First, I have gotten it from a yoga mat before. When Back when sharing yoga mats was okay. This is years ago, like 15 years ago, 24 Hour Fitness in South Lake, Texas. I remember exactly where it was. The yoga mats themselves were branded and you know they were like sponsored or whatever and they were donated by some group the group happened to be poised the pads <laughs> so yeah i never used anyone else's feminine hygiene mats again
0: after that oh man always drop the ball there they're making small talk about how sexy it is to get a fungus on Valentine's Day. And Nalini starts having a little flashback about Mohan always caring about this holiday more than she did. And that one year that he gave her a bobblehead of himself so that she could not get around. Raya tells her that it sounds like she needs to carve out some fun time for herself every day. And then Nalini's like, well, I do do that. It's called six hours of sleep. I get that every night, that's my fun time. Raya is looking at her all kinds of perplexed, like, girl, what is your damage? And suggests a girl hang tomorrow. Sorry, she said a girl's hang tomorrow. And Melini says she's busy. But then Nurse Tracy comes in and tells her, hey, your mother-in-law called, and she accidentally locked herself in the garage again. And uh, there's no rush. And Melini's just sighing and like, all right, yeah, no, let's have a girl hang.
1: Mindy is a big fan of the sassy Black secretary.
0: Yes, she is. Yes, she is, because you remember Shosha Rockmore was the nurse on The Mindy Project, which, by the way, the 10th anniversary of its premiere was on Sunday, the 19th of September. I think Mindy posted that on her her Instagram, that she was so happy and she still loves all the characters. And for that, I say oh
1: god <laughs> so uh oh this is nurse tracy so she's a big fan of sassy black nurses
0: yes not yes.
1: secretaries my bad but. yes yes
0: and sassy black doctors because niecy nash had played a doctor on the mini project and she plays a doctor on never have i Ever. so sassy black healthcare professionals that's the way to go
1: we are back at sherman oaks we are in facing history class and mr shapiro holds up a bra and asks if anyone knows what this is. And Trent, of course, calls out. It's a 34C front-class demi-cup.
0: Even this I year. don't know that that's what my bras are called, okay? <laughs> I don't know
1: that. <laughs> I, know, I know what all of my bras are called. They're Puma sports bras from Costco. <laughs> they come know. in packs of two and sometimes in packs of three if you get a good deal.
0: Oh, man, you're better than me. I know push-up bra. I know underwire impaler. I know strap too thin. I know uneven coverage. <laughs> Those are my bra names.
1: Mr. Shapiro says, no, this is oppression. And he lights it on fire, but it doesn't actually catch on fire. And he's like, well, they used to be made of more flammable material. Mr. Shapiro is introducing the women's rights movement, which they are going to be studying until the end of the year. And of course, Ben has a problem with four months of women's rights. There are no other reactions in the room, which I'm not really sure why, because women faced history too, bruh. Okay? He's like, what about Watergate? what about 9-11? What about what about your mom? <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: women's history, Rashi. Knowing about uh-huh. his mom would be women's history. Once again, Ben is being completely out of pocket And people are just letting him be outside the pants like that. Pull him back in the pocket, people. Pull him back in the pocket.
1: Ben says that they need to know other things for the AP test. And Mr. Shapiro says, ah, reclaiming my time.
0: Funniest moment of the episode.
1: (laughs) So their first assignment is to rewrite the Bill of Rights as if it were written by the founding mothers. So Ben complains to Anissa, this is why we need to get real textbooks. And Anissa says, well, according to you, I don't read books. So I guess I'm cool with it. And he looks surprised and maybe a little shocked. Paxton shows up. He was late to class and baby tells him that she got Eric on her match. And he said, that's not so bad because he is always the first to notice when Paxton gets a new haircut.
0: Is he in the bushes? Was he at the barbers looking at him?
1: Yeah, lady whistle cuts outside of Supercuts, cuts. <laughs> Baby admits that the computer thinks she's out of his league, clearing that low bar again. Paxton reassures her that she's his smoke show girlfriend, and he shows her that he matched with her. And she's super excited about this. But I don't know, to me, this whole episode so far, it feels weird to hear her putting herself down this bad. But remember,
0: Patti thinks she's ugly because she's not too beautiful, to slap, so once again, she's internalizing the toxicity of Patti. Oh, and
1: it's always Patti's fault. She's not even in the episode, and it's going to be her fault,
0: but in all seriousness, no, it is weird because usually in past episodes, when people are like, you're so smart and you're beautiful, she's like, I know, but you know, I'm having a rage attack. Oh, I know. And you know, she's usually very,
1: I don't want to say self-aware because that's
0: not the word I'm looking bo- self-assured. for. Yeah, self-assured. Yes.
1: The class is evacuated after the bra finally bursts into flames and Mr. Shapiro evacuates the room by saying, men and teachers last. So I guess he and Fax don't be the only two at the end. Fax. So right after class,
0: the alarm is going out, and Trent asks Eleanor out to dinner for Valentine's and he says they'll have to eat with his Uncle Joe, so wear something sexy. And to that, I say, the fuck? Like, I... <laughs> I do not know, Asmita, why, she thought, or who got this past you. But this ain't, this ain't the joke, honey. This is not the joke. Eleanor, who, remember, said at the top of the episode, not all the couples are going to make it through Valentine's Day. She's like, I'm about to break up with them. But then Trent says, Uncle Joe always casts dinner companions to be in his TV commercials. And Eleanor is like, wait. Your uncle does TV commercials, and Trent's like, yeah, he's Captain Joe. Um, the blinds guy, yeah, he makes high prices walk the plank. So think of your favorite local small business owner in your market and think of their great commercials. Like here in Dallas, we have the Texas Hammer, Brian Longcar, he'll hammer and hammer and hammer those semi-trailer companies to get you your personal injury money. So. Think about that when you think about Uncle Joe. At least that's the vibe I'm getting from him, which makes the where something sexy comment just a little creepier than I would like. We cut to, in the same hallway, Ben telling Anissa that she was being really harsh. And to that I say, tough shit, Ben. And Anissa's like, pretty much tough shit, Ben. I didn't like the way you talked to me back there. So there you go. Anissa don't need nobody to stick up for her and fight her battles because she got it. She got it. She's holding it down. He says, like all people who do not understand intent versus impact, I was just teasing. It's just a joke. And Anissa ain't having it. She says that he seemed genuinely embarrassed by her. He denies it, of course. He starts listing her good qualities and says, I don't expect you to know everything I know. And she's like, you can't even not be condescending when trying to apologize. She takes a ring check for Valentine's Day dinner. Maybe she should go help Eleanor get out of dinner with Uncle Joe. Anissa escapes to the bathroom, runs into Fabiola, asks, you know, why are we always seeing each other in the bathroom? She apologizes for kissing her and asks that it be forgotten, and Fabiola agrees in her Fabiola way, saying that she is still getting overeating. I don't think that's true. Yeah, I think Fabiola is is overeating. That time zone and that 84, she wasn't, she wasn't sad.
1: We are in Paxton's garage slash bedroom slash whatever the hell that thing is. And he is serving Davy microwave Stouffer's rigatoni with mozzarella. And he's cut some, what he thinks is fresh parsley, but Davy thinks it's mint. But you know what? Kudos to him for finding something green that's actually edible and an herb. So, hooray. That is a weed. And all of this goes very nicely with the short stem roses in the solo cup as the centerpiece of this table.
0: So very high school, these decorations, and I like that little touch.
1: So Baby breaks the three seconds of silence by pointing out that they are an odd couple. He's hot, and she's a nerd with no abs. And in Trent's world, that means her heart is exposed. Right there at the surface. But again, I find it, to me, it feels weird to hear her putting herself down like this. Like, she is really feeling insecure right now. And she keeps bringing up that computer matchup crap.
0: Well, do you think there's reason for her to be concerned given Paxton's past shenanigans or is this, because I agree, usually she's very, not that her confidence is unfounded, she's very overt with her confidence, but this is, I guess when you're at the top, you feel that the dagger's coming to you, coming for you, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not just him, it's the way Haley acts around him too, right? Like it's all a little bit too too cozy
0: yeah nobody should
1: be this cozy (laughs) no ever ever okay so paxton says to her don't talk about yourself like that and he starts listing off her good qualities which he should have done that more oh (laughs) i'll i'll leave that for later and baby says yeah 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 despite that the mit scientists know what they're talking about we are really good together And he's like, yeah, like mint and marinara. And she's like, what about things that maybe more classically go together? But yeah, we're a good team. (laughs) Then he invites her to come play paintball with him and a bunch of dudes the next day. And she says no, but that's super fun that opposites attract and that they have different hobbies. And then as they're making out, he forgets that he bought fancy parm and he's gonna go get it so he can shave it for her. That sounded gross, I'm sorry.
0: Hold on, let me stop kissing you because it reminded me that we have sulky cheese in the fridge.
1: Yeah, oh, I forgot. <laughs> kissing you reminded me of something that smells vaguely like feet, so I'm gonna go grab that aged parm. Your lips are like the rind of a finely ripe parm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, this is why Davey's insecure.
1: So he goes to get the parm, and even John McEnroe says that she's enjoying herself despite the low bar, and she for whatever reason looks over at his backpack and sees the the card sticking out and she goes to grab it and she sees that it's not paxton's card but eric perkins card and that he matched with baby at what 98 plus percent my initial thought was kind of like oh that's cool he like paid him for that like he must have cost him a lot of money to get that from lady whistle what's her name lady whistleblower
0: <laughs> <laughs> Lady Whistleblower. Lady Whistleblower sounds like the code name for a government whistleblower. <laughs> was it? What's her name? Lady WikiLeaks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that—that's what it was. Oh, I didn't even think about that. What did Paxton give up for that interaction with Eric? Probably have to stand there and listen to him compliment his naturally curly chestnut hair. And oh, god. The Valentine's Day fun continues as we pivot to. Either Trent's house or his uncle's house. I don't know what's going on and I refuse to acknowledge it. Trent is toasting his most romantic Valentine's Day yet with his first girlfriend and his uncle. And he does the most awkward look into my eyes, intentional cheersing with people, which I thought was funny and very Trent. Eleanor turns on the charm. She's trying to schmooze and get into Uncle Joe's commercials dropping hints about how she loves commercials and talking about how he particularly is slashing prices because he's the blind pirate or something. And then Trent is on here talking about, my woman's a great actor. And Uncle Joe says, well, okay, you can play a salty sea wench in my next commercial. Eleanor is ecstatic to be a working actor. Uncle Joe says that anyone and anything that makes his nephew so happy is fine by him. And Trent is so pleased with himself. He says that not even weed makes him this happy. And I'm like, okay, natural high. My, <laughs> my problematic is in this section. And look, it's the same reason I have a problem with Paxton, a 30 year old Darren Barnett playing a teenage boy against a teen, an actual teen, now young woman, because it's creepy. It's so creepy. Let's not forget that Trent's family kind of is sketch. Remember, his mother always hit on Paxton whenever Paxton comes over to study or hang out probably why paxton has everybody over in his damn garage all a goddamn time but so my my problem here is we have another over 30 year old man just being inappropriate with a high school girl there i'm not saying that this show contributes to the abuse and exploitation of young women i'm saying that it's reflecting society and i wish that it didn't and went in a different direction it doesn't seem to interrogate things that are creepy and gross it just goes for easy jokes and i'm not I'm not sure that I, I'm here for this. This is one of the reasons like, I knew Ben was in-game before the end of the first season was because I had to look up how old Darren Barnett was and thought they're never going to have the two of them make out. That age difference is so creepy. So just bark all the way around on the scene. Sorry, Valentine's Day. That
1: kind of sucks. Speaking of Valentine's Days that are bummers, we're back at Casa de Vishwakumar. Nalini Nalani is at the dining room table by herself. Well, actually, no, she's with Mohan's bobblehead and she's having a glass of red wine and South Indian food alert. She has a bowl of something lumpy and I had narrowed it down to Kichdi or Upma. What do you think?
0: It looked like Upma to me, but, and this is not non-Daisy people. This is not a commentary on the lumpiness of our very different foods. Kichdi and Upma are totally separate things, but it looked like Upma to me.
1: Yeah, it looked more like Upma, but I was thinking like after a long day, I feel like Kichari is the easier one. Actually, no, they're both pretty easy.
0: Yeah, because I remember uh, Nirmala Mami is apparently out with one of her cliques, probably neighborhood watching, making Mm -hmm. sure them kids ain't on on makeup Street. So, you know, whatever's quick and easy because she ain't home
1: and both of those are super easy together and fit check what is she wearing a long sleeve red muumuu it's got some slightly puffy shoulders and white embroidery patterns on the collars like on the cuffs ends of the sleeves and stuff what did you think of that outfit
0: it's it was a strong outfit but like i guess dressed for the scene the shapeless muumuu but still like put together says a lot i'm not sure that i'm just dressed
1: up if i'm having dinner with a bobblehead at the house so she's just about to give him a little bit of red wine, the bobblehead, a sip <laughs> of her red wine when Davy comes in. And so she's like, oh, crap. Oh, do you want to have dinner with me? And she explains where everyone is. Patti's, of course, like you said, with her cliques. Kumla is out with Manish in his crappy little Honda. So I guess everybody gets a chance to park in that makeout spot from last season. And Davy said, I already ate. And she goes up to her room and she says she has to study. She has a big test tomorrow. Something to that effect. So. Nalini, or John McEnroe tells us that Nalini feels like watching a Hallmark movie with a bobblehead might be a little sad, so she texts her girl Raya of the House of Maka. Yes, yeah. So she <laughs> texts Raya, but you know what? Maybe I do want to do that gal's hang. Is that a thing like that term? I,
0: maybe for Gen X, a gal pal hang. I don't. I we don't need it
1: like i don't have any other mom friends who are my age who don't live in the city like maybe if i spent more time in the suburbs like maybe
0: i live in the suburbs but i don't have kids and we don't call it the gal pal hang. we call it you know do you want to go drown our troubles and existential
1: angst by killing brain cells with liquor that's what we call it or dinner <laughs> or dinner yeah or a thursday <laughs> night it's whatever so we were wondering if this is the first valentine's day without mohan but i'm th- i don't think it is i think he died at the winter formal right he died at the, the winter concert. concert oh he did okay then it is right
0: well what is it's spring in california what when, when is that march is March, like march then, yeah so, so either way either way it's the first aware valentine's day without mohan
1: And I mean, and that makes sense too, given her flashback earlier and all of that. Like, I think with time, maybe that'll be a little less, but it just seems like it's still very early. Mm -hmm. And why doesn't Davy know this? Well, of course, she doesn't pay attention to anyone but herself. So that's why she doesn't know this. But nobody else like thought, except for Raya of all people, like she's the only one who was like, oh, maybe Nalini would be lonely. Yeah.
0: And Patti obviously hasn't had a Valentine for a minute. She's been a widow for a minute. But once again, I'm
1: wondering...
0: Who's looking at for Nobody. Nalini? Nobody. Nobody.
1: Because remember her mom is like too busy to even pay attention to her when she came to India to see her. Like, Yeah. This is unfortunate. Yeah.
0: And does she have, I guess Nalini's an only child because, you know, Kamala is Mohan's niece. Does she even have anyone who would check on her? This is making me very sad on her part. Like not even her daughter acknowledges, you know, yeah. mom may be sad. She doesn't
1: see the bobblehead out. <laughs> yeah, of all the people who might know and are the closest to her, they all live in that house, and none of them are there. Yeah, I, maybe they said something to her in the morning. You know, I don't know.
0: Yeah,
1: or maybe Kamla said something off off camera because we don't see her in this episode at all. Yeah. So, other question: Does nalini not realize that Davy is dating Paxton?
0: The better question is: How is Davy getting away with lying to nalini about this? Because Kamala uh-huh. knows. And all her friend group knows she don't hear them talking about it when the doors open and they come over i honestly don't understand Davy is not the greatest at indian mom subterfuge that belongs to me but i
1: don't <laughs> she's not employing any of the strategies here so yeah
0: good for her i guess she doesn't care if she gets caught
1: yeah now we're up in Davy's room and we find out that she just kept eating that rigatoni and she didn't say anything to paxton and she just pretended to be happy for the rest of the evening, and that's when John McEnroe shoehorns in his own memory of losing some tennis tournament and having to pretend like he was happy. I don't remember him pretending to be happy. I thought that was exactly what he didn't do, which is yeah, what I made think, him famous.
0: <laughs> yeah, the clip they show is him just looking how I look on Zoom calls, just set that up that he came in second place. <laughs>
1: So baby's flashing back to this conversation and we see her being really passive aggressive and making all these double entendres like, Oh, you weren't lying about how good this parm is. I can really trust you with your cheese. Of course he doesn't pick up on it because first of all, he's never been bright. And second of all, I don't, no he's just not bright one and two (laughs) that makes me not bright as well damn it (laughs) so John McEnroe tells us that Davy's spiraling as she dwells on the fact that he lied to her and that his card must have said Haley
0: oh poor Davy. so good night's sleep did not do her any good because here she comes rolling up on Eric the next day asking him about why the hell did you switch cards with Paxton and Eric's like look can you be quiet? You are ruining my reputation. You are a dork. And she hits him back with excuse me, nerd. And he's like, look, I am trying to date someone and become popular. But people don't always think of me as the kid who lost his dad. At Disneyland, see, Davey, other people can double on entendre too. It's not cute when it's on the other side. After we lose all faith in Eric's humanity, she cuts to the chase and says, just give me the goddamn card. She doesn't say it like that, but she's like, give me the card. He tries to blackmail her and pulls it out, showing the wrong side. And she confirms that it was Haley. So at that exact moment, she hears Haley and Paxton and some hot, tall drink of water, who I'm hoping is also like everybody's in high school of legal age, laughing down the hall. And David just hears that laughter, sees Paxton doesn't even look her way. And she just looks so Frustrated. Cut immediately to the lounge that is not the filler for a library, where Fab and Eleanor appear to be studying. Fabiola wants an update about Valentine's Day, and Eleanor hides from Trent as he walks by, and so we surmise, you know, she didn't tell him she was gonna break up with him. Instead she says she used him to get a commercial and Fabiola first is really excited for Eleanor. Of course she knows who the hell the blind guy is. He must be locally famous. And then Eleanor says, okay, I feel bad about using Trent. I'm gonna have to break up with
1: him because you know, she's not a user. That's nice of her. Now we're at Dr. Ryan's office where we should have been ages ago. Whole episode should have been there. (laughs) She should have just like done it as a flashback of her telling everything (laughs) to Dr.
0: (laughs) Exactly. And just different liquids Dr. Ryan's drinking to coke with the story.
1: Davy's super upset. She looks like she's crying and she's explaining about the card. Dr. Ryan asks if she's worried if something is going on between them. And she says she doesn't think so, but why else would he lie? Dr. Ryan acknowledges that Paxton was wrong for lying, but she asks Davy, like, why do you care about this test so much? Like, haven't I been saying this? Why do you care about this stupid test so much? And baby recognizes her jealousy because they look so good together. Nobody would bat an eye at there being a couple. Dr. Ryan's like, So you think you and Paxton are getting tons of eye bats?
0: <laughs> I love how she tries to make it funny when she's
1: asking, like, baby, come on now, questions. Yeah. Davy admits that she's worried that she might be a phase for him. This is his quirky smart girl phase and that at any moment he's going to dump her for a model with a six pack and with symmetrical boobs
0: i felt this this is borderline triggering for me as a fat woman because she's speaking some fears aloud about why does this guy i mean if you should self-esteem, why does this guy like me i don't even like me and i don't think that's true about So, like you were saying earlier it's a little bit of a plot twist but the whole thing about being insecure once you're in a relationship because do i have what it takes to maintain that is you know am i a blip in the road uh, you know am i a different flavor because he's
1: never tried it before am i 31 on the 31 spectrums of labor? What's going on, Baskin Robbins? Well, Dr. Ryan reassures Davy that everyone's got a Biggie and a Smalls. And she says that this way of thinking is selling her and Paxton short.
0: But and- Paxton ain't smart. Does he deserve to be sold long? Nope.
1: <laughs> So Baby starts showing her some of Haley's stories, videos, TikToks, whatever, where she's doing cute little dances and doing Pilates and probably not even queefing. And then she's like, and then here she is playing paintball. Oh, shit, paintball. And so she realizes what's happening. And she just runs out of the session. Dr. Ryan's behind her yelling, don't go. Let's work through this. And I wish that's where she would have stayed.
0: I know. Poor Dr. Ryan. We pivot to a patio where Nalini is having her healthful hang with Raya and another first for her, she's having an S I E bowl, does not appear to be enjoying it. Raya goes ahead and lists all these health benefits and then just says, you know, we eat it, pretending it's healthy, but it's just a way for us to get a ton of sugar. And Nalini says that that reminds her of Mohan and his sweet tooth. And he was always able to make her laugh, even if he was in severe abdominal pain after eating three pizookies. And for those of you who don't know, a pazookie is a cookie as big as your face that comes out in a skillet and is served with ice cream on top. And to eat three of those in one sitting is just asking to die by pancreatic shutdown. I don't, I don't understand what one is doing, but good for you. Nalini must have really wanted to talk here because she's being super vulnerable with somebody who she knows to be in the wellness space, right? So she must have, really, like you were saying about dinner last night, she must have really wanted to talk to someone about Mohan because to me, this is out of character for her just emotionally vomiting over somebody. So Raya sympathized with her. She did the best she could, having to receive all this. She says to Malini, "You know, I saw his picture in your office. You go, girl." And to that, yes, Mohan was hot. We don't acknowledge that every time he shows up, but then Hill is fantastically hot. Sorry to objectify you, dude. So Malini <laughs> says that she misses having her best friend, and Raya just says, "It looks like you need a new
1: friend." And my question is, what's the situation on Raya's husband slash baby daddy slash whatever? Because she has a mother-in-law and mm-hmm. she has a son. Oh, I guess we'll find out out later. Spoiler <laughs> alert. But I'm curious what that situation is.
0: I am assuming tech millionaire, billionaire who's never around, who's always working. I mean men are important in this series so I don't know that we need to see him but I would also like to know you know what kind of married her because we'll find out later spoiler alert she's not the best right so she's yeah this is where your curiosity becomes heat like oh okay spoiler alert she's not the best all right so (laughs) Mariah then asks Nalini if she's ever had a blowout and Nalini responds after this SIE bold I will and so there's a little joke here that, you know, it means a blow-dry bar. And I thought this was cute, given how, you know, if you're not from America, you, that you don't understand these terms. And sometimes it's funny when you realize, oh no, <laughs> I've been using slang the wrong way. Nalini, fit check here. You can't see the outfit underneath, but she's wearing this wonderful sky blue jacket. And it maybe cashmere. looking at the little fuzzes on it. But once again, fit, 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 drip, drip, drip.
1: We arrive at Combat Valley Outdoor Paintball Park. And how the hell did she get here before they even started playing their first game? So, probably all the TikToks
0: and shit they got to
1: film. <laughs> Baby is ready to get her paintball on, and Paxton is, of course, surprised to see her given that the day before she said she didn't want to play. She said she changed her mind. A couple that shoots guns together has fun together. No. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know teenage shooting jokes. Just not really doing it for me right now. I haven't really been doing it since about 1999, right? Like, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. yeah, yeah. And also the couple that shoots guns together is that couple that stood outside with guns when those In protesters were walking. Across. Yeah, those people. That's what couple who Shoots guns together, consider funds together, trampling on human rights. Yeah. The couple so,
1: yeah. that shoots guns together is on trial for sedition right now. in down Exactly. The street, federal court. Exactly. So <laughs> enjoy that. Enjoy that. So it looks as though they've already chosen teams, but Trent's team is down to person. She can join that one. And Haley, as a woman or a friend or whatever, should have gone to Trent's fucking team when Paxton's girlfriend obviously showed up.
0: Like you were saying, this is why Davey is a little bit insecure because Paxton is mm-hmm. doing thing to reassure her. He's too oblivious. And Haley, as a woman or whatever, like you pointed out, we know, okay? So women know what we're doing. She knows what she's doing. I don't, I don't like Haley. Like, I felt sorry for her because of Paxton being like, you know, a pump and dump bastard, but no. Mm-hmm. Toot and boot, look at this.
1: Look at this. So Trent's like crazy, Davy. Welcome to the squad, and we're doing this again. I don't Uh, like it. So Trent's pep talk to his team is basically he just tells them the rules. It's like shoot more people than than you get shot, I guess. He said that Haley's a sick shot, and that she and Paxton are gonna smoke us. And then he leaves to get high before the game starts. Davy realizes that this test has really gotten to her but the only way to let the test go was to kick her ass in paintball and prove that (laughs) she's Paxton's true perfect match. McEnroe's like, did you expect her to be mature about this? Like, for a second there, I thought she might be. But then again, she did run out on her therapist. On purpose. (laughs) Right. So now we have a montage of paintball games set to Not About You by the haiku hands. Baby shoots one person, gets them out, and was like, wow, am I amazing at this? Haley gets Trent who says he bruises easily. Is that that's one reason why I've never played paintball. Like what why does that sound fun? Like getting hurt and bruised. Yeah. T- bruised and then you have to shower afterwards and
0: like, I'm not you ruined clothing. Like before they gave you stuff to wear there, you have to go on your own shit. Like, no thanks.
1: Yeah. So Davy gets to drop on Haley and she tells her to get on her knees and she's got her execution style and then she's just giving this external monologue of her projections saying that she's not as good as Haley, but she has determination and grit like the noble cockroach. And damn it, Davy. Haley is justifiably confused and she's like, can you just shoot me so I can be out in the game and go get a soda? And then Paxton comes out of nowhere, shoots Davy four times. Four fucking times, right? And then says, yeah, blue team wins.
0: In this moment, she should have threw her whole gun at him. Like, what what the, if he was an adult man, he would not have had peace after this moment. (laughs) She fully, fully deserved, like the one time she should have gone off on somebody she don't so anyway we're back at the school what the hell is going on that ben and anisa are still at the fucking school when people are out playing paintball like davy left a therapy appointment to go play paintball but ben and anisa are still at school so ben acknowledges that he's been a dick and tries to apologize and anisa is not giving up any ground and says i don't think this is working out specifically she says i don't think you respect me you make me feel stupid and i am not stupid I deserve someone who's excited to be with me just as I am and who doesn't wish I was someone else. Goddamn, mic drop. I love Burn. you, Anissa. Exactly, nobody needed to stand up for her yet again. She's doing it herself. And Ben Gross, you are not Mr. Darcy in anyone's story. Anissa, unfortunately, has to run into a classroom after bravely turning her back on him. She needs to cry and who's in there but fab and tears. So, Anissa's kind of frustrated. Why are you in every room when I need to cry? And Bab offers to leave. But, you know, she's like, you're upset what's going on. So, Anissa says, I broke up with him. And, like, well, I guess he was not a guy for you. And, Anissa says, I think she's lying here that she didn't get Ben. She says she got a random freshman. Uh, I don't know that I believe it's a random freshman. because just because everything's right in the nice night, bow. Night, so I don't think it's a random freshman. But so that's just me. Prognosticating in the MKU. Anyway, fabulous says Anisa will find another guy soon, or girl, in case kissing her wasn't a fluke. And Anisa says, "I'm sure the right person is out there for me." So this tells me that Anisa, this may not have been her coming out; like she's been out, just not to these people at her school. I'm assuming that's what's happening here because she's that's a big deal that a South Asian diasporic woman is realizing she gay in high school there's not that angst here and I appreciate that for it is so I'm choosing to believe Anisa's coming out story precedes her time at Sherman Outside. Otherwise the writers didn't handle it well, right? So I'm choosing to choose to do that.
1: She was at an all-girls school. Was it just the eating disorder that made her mom transfer her?
0: Well, I mean Nor seems like she's down with her daughter's happiness. And since that whole family goes to Cal State Northridge, you know they must have a film company conglomerate why would her mom care about her daughter's individual needs right when the big ones are taken care of I'm kidding I'm kidding all right so John McEnroe who's unusually somber says that even though there were mixed signals Fabiola felt good about it because it was a start And this was cute Fabiola offers Anissa to be her shoulder and Anissa acknowledges what we're all thinking thanks Fabiola you're a great friend and we see Ben dropping his belt his compatibility result obviously is Davy at 98%. So before we go back to the wrap up of this, but that means Davy had two people match with her. Not one, but two. And in my opinion, the energy she's attracting needs to improve. Because Ben and
1: Eric are 98% match with both of them. Go ahead, Davy. 98%ile with incels. Oh god. <laughs> Okay, let's close out this episode. We are back at paintball. Baby can't believe that Paxton shot her. So here it comes. Here's the confrontation. Paxton doesn't understand. He doesn't understand her anger. It seems like it's out of the blue for him. And she says that she knows he lied and, you know, tells him all about the test. And he said, yeah, I did. I thought that you would take it badly if you knew. And then, you know, again, blames her like, well, just like you're taking it right now. He said he was right to think that given how she's acting right now at paintball when she's already mad and he tells her that she's been acting really weird since he and Haley became friends again. And then, of course, he blames Baby for that because she's the one who made him apologize. Can we just stop and acknowledge that at this point
0: he realizes that her behavior has changed since Haley's come back and he just hasn't
1: done anything about it just to throw it in her fucking face at this moment? Mm-hmm. So all of the times that she was uneasy, he could have done something about it. Could have done something because he's thirty years old and he knows what he's doing. So Davy then apologizes, but then she says it's because Haley is so beautiful and so good with guns, and she doesn't know how Davy could possibly compete with that. He says that she doesn't have to. He's just friends with Haley, but he's with Davy. She finally says that she doesn't understand why, like, why are you even with me? He says it's because he likes her. And she blurts out, no one else thinks we make any sense. And he comes back with, no, you don't think we make any sense. She says she's aware of the comments and the stares. People don't think that she's good enough for him. He asks her again, why she cares about what other people thinks. He thinks that she's good enough for him, but he's tired of trying to convince her of that. What?
0: how many times has he actually tried how many times how many times have we seen him
1: try he just told her that one time you know you're you're my smoking hot show girlfriend yeah that's about it maybe in his garage did he say something on valentine's evening maybe but that's at the point he's already lying to her so we can't trust anything he says right so he says that he really likes her but he can't be in a relationship with her until she likes herself he tells her that he's sorry, and he leaves her there crying at the fucking paintball, whatever that place is called. I feel like Trent foreshadowed this moment when he called her crazy, Davy. He like brought it back out. I wish she would have stayed at therapy.
0: I fucking hate Paxton. Like I already, I, I like I was already on the fence about him, and I wanted Davy to have the hot boy, but I hate him from this point. You're gonna leave her there crying after stomping on her heart when she says that she doesn't think she's good enough for him and that she's threatened by this other girl. He fucking leaves her there crying. We know she don't drive.
1: Yeah, he basically said, you're right, you're not. And like Yeah, that's fuck him. What, that's what she heard. That's what all the rest of us heard too, so. Yeah. All right, let's try and, and turn the mood around a little bit. Eleanor arrives at the paintball place to break up with Trent. She tells him that she just used him to get into his uncle's commercial. She said, you'll never have to see me again. And he's like, dude, we got all our classes together. And she's like, well, I'll I'll wear a veil if you don't want to see me. And he was like, look, I knew you were gonna dump me. Guidance counselors have told me all along that I'm clinically immature. And he said that he manipulated Eleanor by dangling Uncle Joe in front of her. Don't like that, don't like it. And then upon realizing that they deceived each other to get what they want, Eleanor declares that they're like a real celebrity couple. Trent tells her that he really likes her, but he's insecure because she is his first girlfriend. Like Trent's not in able to say exactly this. That could have been Davey's line.
0: Yeah, it should have been. They make out. That's, That's cute. cute. I, yeah, I think, I think they are meant for each other. They work through their problems. You know, they go about it the most, well, Ellen goes about it the most dramatic way. And because Trent is so chill, that works out. But she's kind of a flighty vegetarian, so. Anyway, sorry, Sagittarius, but we're back at the Vishwa Kumar house for the final scene. Davy comes home, obviously crying and probably tired enough to walk fucking home. Malini comes in and she wants to get a compliment on her newswoman hair blow up and she does look of cute, but she sees that Davy is a little upset asks her what's wrong. And so Davy lies and says it's about a test, but Malini senses it's about a boy and says that even though she's not, she is not allowed to date, she cares if her heart's being broken. Davy admits she really liked Pax in the episode, ends so with her and her mom hugging. Then we need fit check here. She is wearing a multicolored and striped accordion-seated skirt with a lavender sweater. I like this look. I think this was the look under her shacket that we didn't see because she was sitting at the.
1: Desk. Oh, because it's so. the same day. That's a long day. It's a long day.
0: SIE bowl and a blowout. So
1: now let's take a deeper dive into some key character moments to determine whether the character development was actually growth. So who growed for you? I think Trent and Eleanor, apparently
0: they're the only functional couple we'll see because Manish and Kamla were not to be seen in this episode. I like it because the two of them were so honest with each other. And obviously, I think Trent being the more inexperienced here, he has no other option but to be honest, which is refreshing to Eleanor's scheming in, in drama-filled ways. And I just think that the two of them
1: being able to express themselves having such different backgrounds.
0: What about you?
1: I think Fabiola. is really growing. She's getting over Eve. She's interested in exploring Anissa. But she gets shut down in the bathroom. I was kind of sad at that part where she tells her, like, let's forget that this happened. Because that's, I mean, that's kind of crummy. But like McEnroe said, there's some mixed signals there at the end in the robotics lab. But I mean, we're fab stands. So,
0: yeah, we're fab stands. And I think to that point, like, she's the one through her, we're seeing like the most realistic, you know, high school reactions to things like easily falling in love, moving away, trying to make it work, you know, rebounding and just being awkward and unsure. Like, it's the most tentative and, and realistic portrayal of what it's like to be a teenage girl.
1: Okay, we talked yeah. about growers. Now let's talk about the showers. Who showed their ass?
0: Paxton Hall, Yoshida. He
1: is dead to me. Good luck in life, you dick. Since you picked Paxton, I'll go ahead and take the next one, Haley. She needed to back the fuck off. Baby did her a solid by even acknowledging her DM in the last episode. That was just shitty. It's just shitty yeah. what she's doing.
0: Yeah, maybe work to get your friend back to you and what you do is really catch up with him, you know? Like you were so good for two years without his fucking ass and all of a sudden, oh, Paxton, look at this joke. Oh, Paxton, ha ha ha,
1: or Paxton, remember Jinkies? Go to hell, Haley. He should have kept his distance too, but I'm... since you're disappointed in him, I'll be disappointed in her.
0: I know, I know. Uh, Asian women, what are we doing to each other? <sighs>
1: With two brown women at the helm, this was such a dense episode with no real colonizer moments. So yay! But we still wanted to take something from the show and take it too far. Did you like seeing Daisy Buchanan on trial in season two? Well, you're going to love this designer imposter. The People versus Paxton Hall Yoshida. What you're about to
0: hear is real. The participants are not actors. They are actual people who have real grievances and no real legal claims to receive remedy or recompense. Both parties have agreed to have their disputes settled here in the Podcasters Court.
1: All right. Well, not really. This is a audio medium. The first Podcasters Court of the 1190th District is now in session. The Honorable Maxine presiding.
0: The docket says we're hearing the case of the late bloomers, the web series, the podcast versus Paxton hall Yoshida, a fictional character. The claims are... This can't be right, counsel. Is this pleading accurate? Yes, Your Honor. The claims are accurate as right. If you say so. The plaintiff claims that the defendant is a dirty dog who gaslit one Davy Vishwakumar, into believing that he valued her as a person of oh Lord. Counsel, are y'all ready?
1: Yes, your, yes Honor. your Honor.
0: How are y'all doing this? We have opening statements in podcasters Court, are you calling witnesses? We call the defendants Paxton Hall yashida to the stand. Okay, Mr. Hall yashida do you affirm that you are about to tell the truth to the best of your recollection and knowledge? Sure, Judge. I mean, your Honor, I affirm or whatever. This is an audio medium, so no one can see you wink, Mr. Hall Yoshida. Mr. Hall Yoshida, do you know why you're here today? Can't say that I do. You're here to answer for the mistreatment of one Miss Davy Vishwakumar of Sherman Oak, California.
1: I don't, I don't know. Of
0: course, objection, Your
1: Honor, badgering the witness.
0: Sustained. Watch the underbreath remarks, counsel. The mics aren't powerful in podcasters' court. Mr. Hall Yoshida, do you recall how you met Ms. Bishop Lamar? Yes, yeah, she uh,
1: propositioned me after swim practice one day.
0: And you didn't know her before that day? That's correct. You didn't know someone you've been going to school with for the last eight years? Objection, Your Honor. Asked and answered. Your Honor, it goes towards his mindfulness of the victim.
1: Overruled. What were your interactions with her after the night of the proposition? We hung out a few times for a school project. She got bit by a coyote at a house party, and I took her to the hospital.
0: Thank you. Did Ms. Vishwakumar ever meet anyone in your family?
1: That first night, she met my sister, and I guess you could say I lashed out at her because I assumed she would spread my business. And I was kind of right, but not about that. She did let people think that we were sleeping together.
0: And what was your reaction to that? I
1: froze her out and didn't talk to her until I needed something. And what was that something? Objection relevance.
0: It's this is Get on with the council. Clearly you forgave her. We have ring camera footage of you waiting outside her house and ordering
1: Chinese food on the day of her father's birthday. I mean, I did wait for her, but she was cheating on me the whole time with Ben Gross, and I got yeeted by a Chevy Volt because of her. Was Ms. Vishwa Kumar driving the Volt? No. Did she push you in front of the car? No, I was running away from her.
0: What was she doing that made you run away from her?
1: She was trying to explain her side of the story.
0: And what was your response to Ms. Bishop after that?
1: I froze her out and didn't speak to her until I needed something.
0: I want to direct your attention to what's being marked as Exhibit 1. Do you recognize this, Mr. Hall she does.
1: Yes, it's a match card for Valentine's Day that student council did. Is it yours? No, this is Eric's card. I, I traded him because I knew Thievi was insecure and I wanted her to think I got her. Who did you actually get? I got Haley, which is weird and kind of cool because we had just rekindled our friendship a few weeks ago.
0: So you knew David was insecure. And other than this card, did you do
1: anything to allay
0: her?
1: What's allay? Calm, assuage, relieve. Uh, Like, I guess no. I mean, I told her like three times within three days that I really loved her and I picked her. Let's discuss Haley. You knew that this friendship made Davy uncomfortable, didn't you? Yeah, but Haley's hot and it was nice to talk to her again. It was like getting a second chance. But at
0: this time, did you have a girlfriend, Mr. Hall? You see? Well, yeah.
1: At Paintball,
0: Davy showed up before you started, correct?
1: Yeah. Haley's a sick shot. She was on my team. Why didn't you just readjust the teams after Davy arrived? Well, I wanted to win.
0: You knew she was insecure, and you purposefully did nothing, correct? Yeah, good. And then you shot her not once, not twice, not three times. Objection. Shot up four times. Four times, right?
1: Yeah. Why? I guess I wanted to win and was also frustrated with how much work I was having to do being her boyfriend. So, what happened next? Davey wanted to talk and I didn't feel like it. I didn't want to have to keep reassuring her that I chose her like all the time. That's like a lot of work.
0: You dumped Davy. Yeah. And you left her crying at the paintball place.
1: Yeah. Wow, that's cold. Hey, you're, you're supposed to be my lawyer. Oh, my bad. I have no further questions.
0: I'll pass the witness. Okay, Defense, you're up. Now, Paxton,
1: would you say that you're a forgiving person, would you not? Yeah, I I guess. Did you force Davy into doing these favors for you? No, she seemed pretty excited to help. Davy became your tutor after your accident, didn't she? How was that? She pushed me to be a better student and to uh, care about trying academically. High rest. Redirect, Your Honor. Go ahead, but
0: this really could have just been a brief or a motion for a summary judgment. How did you thank Davy for your newfound academic zeal, Mister Hall Yoshida? I
1: I started sneaking in her second floor bedroom window to make out with her, and after these secret encounters with Davy, how did you treat her in public? Objection, Your Honor. My client, in a very public way, showed up as her boyfriend. Sustained. Did you? Consider yourself her boyfriend after these secret encounters. I didn't want anyone to know that I went back to the person who hurt me. I was ashamed, so I didn't tell anyone about it, and I was standoffish to baby. Mr. Hall Yoshida, what were you doing during the winter formal? Uh, hanging out at home until Miss Warner called and told me my grades were looking up, and that was the reason you claimed her. Yes, your judge uh, ship. Objection, Your Honor. The parties were high school official after the winter dance.
0: I've heard enough. The court adjourned. I'll issue my ruling next week.
1: All right. So, favorite line, favorite character, favorite part of the episode, and why? What's working?
0: Megan series performance as Anissa. I've said it before, and I will say it again. From body language to side eyes, like she's making all these great choices that, given the scantness of the writing for Anissa's character so far this season, she's bringing the most development. Like you can tell Anissa as a perspective, you can tell Anissa as a point of view, you can tell Anissa is grounded, and that all props to Megan's theory. There was no favorite line of mine, but her performance this episode just
1: stood
0: out. To me, what was going on with you?
1: My favorite part of the episode was Nalini and the little bobblehead at dinner. I just thought it was so cute, and it wasn't until I think it was the second time that I watched it that I noticed that like Kamala and pati were not in it at all.
0: Yeah, I didn't realize until the end either that this was just Valentine's Day through Davy and Nalini's perspectives. So maybe that was not the overt, here's their first Valentine's Day without Mohan, we'll watch them cry situation. This was here is their first Valentine's Day without Mohan. And I what's the title? Never have I ever had a Valentine. And they both had a Valentine. And oh my God, <laughs> it's so deep. All right, I'm gonna stop because I will legitimately cry. Oh no, not daddy daughter shit. It's too late to realize that now. Okay, all right. That was a nice little realization that I didn't realize until we were talking about it that that was the perspective of this one. Okay, wow, what an ironic, Ironic episode title. All right. That being said, thank you all for joining us in what was an emotional and densely packed episode. See you all next time for a look at season three, episode four, Never Have I Ever Made Someone Jealous. Late Bloomer's the web series. The podcast was produced and edited by Rashi Raj
1: and Pooja Maharaj. Until next time. And remember, everyone's got a biggie and a smalls. That's how you know to choose a right or left-handed partner. Bye. Bye. Welcome back to Late Bloomers, the web series, the podcast. I'm Rashi. And I'm Pooja. And today we're continuing on with season three, episode four of Never Have I Ever, with Never Have I Ever Made Someone Jealous. This episode was directed by Smriti Mudra, who had directed the last episode. And written by Lang Fisher, Mindy Kaling, and Akshara Sekar, who um, we know to be Mindy Kaling's assistant. So, um, in anticipation of what is coming in this episode, what is on your Golu? My Golu, because it's supposed to be a thematic story, will have
0: Korean actor Gong Yoo, a peacock, and the IUD that fell out of my body last month. <laughs>
1: Mine will have um, a little Magombo, my dog, and a homemade mini Hassan Minaj since his special just came out. The King's Jester. Yeah, check it out on Netflix. Um, And a Cherry Blossom Metro card. So let's get to the episode. We open with Davy mourning
0: the end of her relationship with Pax and we flash back to him leaving her, a virgin who can't drive, uh, to cry at... (laughs) The paintball plays she hits all the stages of grief we see her rage we see her wallow we see her accept all walk you know all while the quote-unquote seasons are changing as she's walking to her house the final walk into the house she's brushing some dead leaves off of a pumpkin so we are to believe it is fall i have a question what the hell like she wallowed all fucking summer Nobody said let's go to the beach, each. let's get away, let's have a drink, let's clink, let's find the Bud Light, bad bitches like me are hard to come by, nobody did this. And then my fa- colonizer moment is right up top, sorry people. The year passing of her father went unacknowledged, it appears. I understand that would be hard to incorporate into the show, but that's a big deal for Hindus. It's a shroud, you do it at the year anniversary of the death of your loved one. and. It's the closing out of their journey, so what the hell? Anyway, beyond that, she can now look at Paxton without bursting into tears, and as she sits down in the lounge, walking through to the classroom, Eleanor breaks the news that Paxton
1: has a new girlfriend. Uh-oh. So we're in the lounge in front of the vending machines where we usually are at school, and Fab and Eleanor tell Davy about this new girlfriend. Fab asks if... Davy wants a hit off of her inhaler and she politely declines and they tell her it is Phoebe Hayward, which Davy replies, handjob Hayward? That's the biggest skank in school. And then immediately has feminist guilt for saying this. Turns out that Phoebe is the captain of the gymnastics team.
0: And I know that she recanted immediately, but Davy slut-shamed Phoebe. Like, so now, does she go back and look at her interaction with Kira Zoe and Zoe Hay- and whatever her name was and um just, just think to herself, uh, Carly, sorry, Kira, Zoe, and Carly, and think, oh, that's a natural reaction?
1: Hmm. Um, oh, they did ask about Anissa here then. Oh, yeah. So only one of two references. Yeah. Okay, so... Somebody asked about Anissa, how she's doing since breaking up with Ben, and Fab gets all weird again in front of everybody, but still, somehow, Eleanor and Davy don't pick up on this at all because they don't pay attention to their friends. <laughs> so Davy gets a text that she needs to go out and buy the good toilet paper, the kind that feels like a little quilt because her pati is throwing a naratri party. Um. Eleanor asks what that is, and Fab describes it best. Nine nights of commemorating the battle between the demon Maha. Why do you say that? Mahisa. Mahish. Mahish. Mahishasura? Yeah, Mahishasura. Mahishasura. Nine nights commemorating the battle between demon Mahishasura and the goddess Durga. So, from Wikipedia, yeah, she's right. (laughs) Unless you guys went in there and changed it. So, um. We need to go any further there. Yeah, just
0: know, Nav means nine, Ratri means nights, so it's a whole long nine-night celebration. And this is my colonizer moment for, like, overall the writing staff. It's the third time in three seasons that someone not Indian has to explain something culturally relevant to Davy. and I know that happens, but I refuse to believe the woman Nalini is, that we've seen her to be, and the man, Moan is that we've seen him to be, would have raised a white child with melanin who doesn't understand anything enough to give a basic Wikipedia answer when asked something about her culture. <laughs> <laughs> so, Trent Paxton. God, I started stuff. Here come Trent Paxton. McEnroe acknowledges that, you know, maybe they haven't seen each other often. It's kind of awkward. Trent addresses Davey's crazy Davy once again. Once again, months have passed. Months have passed crazy Davey. He says it's his 18th birthday. And as his girlfriend and best friend, Eleanor and Paxton are obligated to throw him a rager as his parents are not going to be home. They will be trying to win back the car they lost gambling at the Morongo Casino. Poor (laughs) He he then tells Eleanor that, poor He tells Fab, bring your robot. He tells Paxton, bring your new girlfriend, bring your old girlfriend. And everybody cringes. Davy says, "Look, I'm busy. I got religious reasons going on." Trent says, "Look, that's cool, but we ain't close enough for me to change
1: the date of my party." <laughs> I love him. <laughs> so in the next part, Paxton approaches Davy at her locker to say, "I know why you're not attending, and it's because of my new girlfriend." And he wanted to apparently have a conversation with Davy about it. And. Uh, Paxton approaches Davy to say that he knows why she isn't attending and it's because of his new girlfriend because he doesn't know anything about Hinduism and doesn't care and he thinks that Davy's lying. So he basically calls her a liar when she said that she's been talking to men too and he was like, well, I just thought we could have an honest convo and I just think this is trashy shit and he's a trashy guy. Like he just wanted to see what the reaction was from her. He doesn't care if she's okay. Why does he care if she comes to the party? Does she need to see it? What the fuck?
0: Yeah, like he's assuming she's broken hearted because of him when he didn't appear to treat other women he ditched like this with this much care. So I guess I, I don't know what to say about that. But again, it's his ego driving his reactions here. And I agree. Paxton is trash. So, not so. God damn it. We pivot to Kasav De Vishwakumar. We are in Davy's bedroom. Am I supposed to be doing this one? Oh, sorry. Yeah, shit. Sure. <laughs> My
1: That's okay. <laughs> now we're at Casa de Vishwakumar. Kumar. We are in Devi's bedroom and Devi's explaining that terrible locker conversation and that she wasn't lying to Eleanor and to Fab. And she said that she talked to like 10 guys today and Fab's like, was that when you cussed out the percussion section in orchestra for being off tempo? And apparently it was. So Fab and Eleanor are trying to convince her to come to Trent's party so she doesn't seem heartbroken and pathetic. I'm not really sure why she would seem heartbroken and pathetic, but if she had been bursting into tears every time she saw Paxton for the last six, seven months, like, that's your reputation now. Yeah. Yeah.
0: The public crier.
1: Yeah. So Baby's trying to figure out how she's going to get out of this party when Nalani comes in and sees that she's not even ready. Nalini fit check she's in a pale blue and gold sari. And she's the only one in the family who's not wearing red for some reason. Um, she is wearing a... What would you call... Like, it, it's almost a... It's not full-length sleeves blouse. It's like a half sleeve, but it's just above her elbow. Yeah. It's yeah, kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but being Nalini and having actually quite nice arms. That was a shame because she could have gone sleeveless and it would have been great. Yeah. So she asks Davy to please take the butter to Patti because she has a bangle stuck on her wrist.
0: I feel like Nalini is kind of stressed here and I can't help but recall my mother hosting events growing up where she would be stressed. It didn't matter what it was. If anybody outside the immediate family was coming to spend more than two hours in the house, all hell will break loose. Like the house had to be so freaking clean. I remember at one point in our old house that had wood paneling on the walls i had to take a mop doused in pledge
1: and polish the walls oh wow <laughs> there there's a particular kind of cleaning cleaning there's a particular kind of cleaning that uh, my sister and i named after my dad and it's when somebody's coming over and you just take all of the stuff that's like on the couch or on the counter and just shove it somewhere else that it doesn't actually belong like i don't know the laundry room and then shut the door <laughs> because you know guests aren't going to go in there um And then later you have to deal with the aftermath of figuring out where's the throw blanket from the couch. Oh yeah, it's in the laundry room. But yeah, that's how we handled that
0: situation. I wish. I know what it feels like for your hand to be sore from taking a toothbrush to baseboards. Oh God. (laughs) (laughs) That aside, we are now downstairs at the Golu. Davy is complimenting and naming the OGs on Patti's Golu. So there's a crystal dolphin, a mini homemade Sanjay Gupta, and her piece de resistance, a brown bag from Bloomingdale's with a full price receipt in it. Now that is my for the culture moment because Indian people will brag that we paid full price about something to show that we got it like that or that we needed it so badly we didn't wait for the sale or we didn't haggle because otherwise, why are you paying full price for shit? So that was my for the the culture moment here. And I don't know that we are the ones to speak as to what a Golu is. We are not, not South Indian, and this is a South Indian tradition to, have to celebrate Navaratri, so um, we don't know much about what it is other than thematic telling a story
1: on our So yeah. yeah, and per Wikipedia, apparently Andhra People do this too, but it must be different Antwerp people than my Antwerp people.
0: (laughs) She's never heard of it. So Patti has a friend who is too competitive. She describes her as that gossipy cow, Smitha. She knows Smitha will brag about her granddaughter's wedding at Universal Studios. And she gets onto Kamala. Wow. And she gets onto Kamala for being with Manish. Nothing to brag about. And he's not Indian enough. He's not passing the quizzes. And he probably thinks a Golu is a GoPro for the toilet, which... You have to understand British slang to understand Lou is meant to be the bathroom. (laughs) Yeah, it took me a while to catch that
1: one. I was like, why is that funny? Let me dissect. Go Lou. Okay, got it, got it, got it, got it. Poppy Savage, even though it's a religious event. (laughs) Over at Trent's Rager, Paxton tells. What? Okay, Paxton tells Eleanor that Mm -hmm. they have three kegs. But he asked Eleanor to check on Davy because they haven't been in touch very much. And, well, he thought she was a liar about Narratri, so I don't see why he cares about her feelings. Like, if he fucking cared about her feelings so much, why didn't he do a Haley-style apology? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Say, it was really rude how I treated you. And then, you know, if you don't want to get together again, say, say that too. Like, I don't want to be with you, but I wanted to tell you this part that I'm sorry about. Like, this stupid ass is not sorry about anything anyhow eleanor lets Davy know she texts her and tells her and says that you know phoebe's here and she's not wearing very much clothes and takes a picture and sends it and then ben is being super condescending about pumping beer to a girl who i don't know maybe was very sick and hasn't been around for several years and fab asks him why he's such a jerk and he goes off about, I don't know, what does he go off about? He's smarter than everybody else? Or efficiency or something yeah, like that. Yeah, he's it. like, well, it just, you know. To like, Tell it like it is. Mm-hmm. I'm a mansplainer. 48 laws of power. <laughs> so Fab is like, this is why Anissa dumped you. And he doesn't flinch or seem bothered by it at all. Like no reaction from Ben. And this is the second and last mention of Anissa in the episode. So if you were hoping she was here, she will not be here. So what do Fab and Ben decide to do but have a nerd off via history drinking game? So they ask for Trent's freshman year textbook, which he says is propping up the grow lamp in his bedroom. And they're going to go back and forth doing facts with each other, I guess.
0: I, I don't understand a couple things about this scene. One, here in Texas, you have to give those fucking textbooks back. <laughs> like at the end of the year, like school's can't afford to get a new one. Why does he still have his? second of all like like who the fuck does Ben think he is (laughs) like did he apologize to the sick girl did he get her a beer like I just I don't I don't I don't know I hope Fabiola spanks him we go back to the Golu Smitha oh let me let me cue it up sorry before I start that this is this is my one good funny contribution where the fuck is my YouTube did I close it yep I sure did (laughs) (laughs) let me stop here um can you pause it i know you can stop it we are back at the golu smitha is going on and on about universal studios and said that even optimus prime gave his blessings and we here at late bloomers the web series the podcast are nothing if not thorough and we dug up that blessing
1: our fates were always intertwined but now our worlds are joined as one.
0: How nice, how wonderful Davy is playing the harp when she gets Eleanor's text. It's great to see her playing the harp without drama. Eleanor obviously sent that text about, look at what Paxton's new hoe is wearing. We cut back to Patti, um witnessing Kamala being shamed. I'm going to pronounce her name however I want this episode. Kamala being shamed for her lack of engagement. And Patti, teeth bared. Tell Smitha, you know what's a shame? How quickly your facelift relaxed. God, this woman goes to temple. This is a religious event at her house. (laughs) And she's like, don't come in here and mess with my family. Meanwhile, Raya the Maka goddess gets a call. And Davy assumes phones are okay to use because she is an adult as well. And she gets in touch with Eleanor. Eleanor tells her, don't be stuck at home. You got to get here. Everybody's going to think you're mad. And... You know, Davy does what Davy does. She tries to get dressed and sneak out the house. Nalini catches her. Davy says her contact flew out on the roof, which is so believable. That lie is right there to reach, and everybody would believe it. (laughs) Just like the bird hitting the window as to why the textbook flew out of there. And Nalini's like, no, you don't. You are going downstairs, and your punishment is to watch the aunties chew. While all that is happening, Mr. K walks in and he touches Patti's feet and he's trying to be really uh, deferential and Patti's like, what are you doing here? Cool at Wiki feet. Meanwhile, her cult sees him. I mean, her clique sees him and they start questioning him. Raya's phone call turns out to be that her son got ditched and that leaves Nalini to go upstairs and say, you need to go get um, you need to go to this party because my new friend's son is having a hard time. Please go be nerdy with him together. Um, <clears throat> not um, and not <clears throat> So, all right. Okay, blah, blah, blah. Davy, in a ter- twist of fate, does not want to go to the party with somebody named Nerday. She'd rather stay here and pray with the aunties and watch them chew. <laughs> but she gets a text from Eleanor saying, people overheard our call. They think we're descending into madness. And then we end with mr k defending patti's five tier non ostentatious golu granting him the reward of a single vada
1: <laughs> okay so that why does she call them cliques because it's a kitty party right mm-hmm. like that's the correct term from indian soap opera as i know it but whatever <laughs> Let's go back to Trent's party. Nirdesh is running late and he texts Davey that, it's because he spilled russum on his sweater vest. <laughs> <laughs> I hope this was a joke. I think maybe knowing him after, it seems like it could have been, we'll, we'll see. Um, Davey sees Ben and Fabiola playing their quiz game show with their history book. Ben says he's had four beers and he's arguing that he should get a point for General Custard When Fab knows clearly it should be Custer.
0: He's so pedantic. He's so pedantic that he, honestly, drunk him is so loosey-goosey with the rules. Like, really? Get a library card. (laughs) Let's get you a little library, (laughs) (laughs)
1: Corny. A niece is here in spirit. Baby decides she's going to make Nerdesh be her pretend cousin for the evening. And... uh, pass him off to Ben and Fab so she could get some FaceTime with Paxton, which I don't really know why you would want that. Like, I, what crazy scheme was she planning? Yeah, like Eleanor says, everybody there thinks you're already like nuts and descending into madness. So uh, you want FaceTime with him? I don't know. Um, so in walks Nardesh, played by Anurad Picharoni <laughs> And he walks in eyebrows first. And he's hot. For an Indian boy, he's hot. Well, I for any boy, he's hot, what is but that? especially for an Indian boy <laughs> who spilt a russum on a sweater vest, <laughs> yeah, he's hot, so Eleanor's jaw actually drops minded too Davy is pleasantly surprised, and basically, you said he's the Indian version of Paxton, right? yeah, face shape,
0: eyebrows, curly hair from first season, go back, layer them like I don't know if people still have. What are those clear things you put on top of Transparency? Yeah, I don't know if people still have those. But if you laid them on top of each other, the only difference would be the wrinkles and the melanin. Oh. <laughs> Taking a break from the rager, we are back to the somber religious event The at the Golu Manish and Kamala are cleaning up from the dinner and the snacks, and he doesn't want to jinx it, but he thinks it's going well. So we can tell he's not a pessimist. Um, maybe an idealist like Patty was saying because everybody else can read that room. He filled the Bloomies bags with dirty napkins and that just raises the hackles of Patti because now the American dream will not be evidenced. Smitha comes in. <laughs> Smitha comes oh, in <laughs> like all people of her ilk. Oh, do I hear drama? And tur- and turns around... She gets caught in that kinetic energy and dramatically spins into the golu and breaks it now instead of five tears, it's zero tears, and Kamala tells him it's best to go now, okay before we we go back to trans party, I have a question for you. Do you remember when Patti had the maka attack? Yes and all of a sudden she got her wrist rubbed and she smelled some she had the calming elixir, and she's okay, yeah. Now, and we've talked about kitty parties from Daisy dramas. What's the other trope about Indian aunties being pushed in the spin, spin, spin until they land into the curtains? Or they spin, spin, spin until they crash to the floor? But it's always like an over dramatic, you would not spin that much because. Yeah. This is like, I think, a nod to that because she could have caught herself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she fell face first. So not only is her face left
1: relaxed, it's about to be shifted. <laughs> if she, if this was an Indian soap opera, she would have one piece of gauze wrapped around her forehead, over the top of her head, and but that would be indicative of her having a concussion, and she has forgotten everything that's ever happened to her in her life, um, except for like three very not important facts, and she'd be in a wheelchair. Yes. <laughs> Let's go back to Trent's party. Nurdish introduces himself and he says, call me Dez and Ben asks why her cousin is introducing himself to her and that's when Dez realizes what she's done. And he's like, I know that you thought I was gonna be a loser because I was Indian. You're one of those Indian girls who only dates white guys and thinks all Indian guys are just computer geeks or cheesy club rats who wear too much cologne. This was for my my for the culture this was my for the culture moment perfect one uh he forgot the part about how the cheesy club rats wear those metallic shiny shirts mm, 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 mm. i can see them blinging from across the the, the club floor <laughs> so davy tries to convince him to stay but she sees paxton making out with Ooh, we wrote Haley on accident. She sees Paxton making out with Phoebe and she runs out of the room and is sobbing on the steps outside. Oh Dave, his name is not Dave. Dez offers that, well, at least you survived that interaction and Davey said, you're not a dork like your mom said and he says, and just keep this in mind for later, his mom likes to exaggerate. Hmm. Turns out he's not a loser. He hooked up with his friend's crush he offers Davy to go back in there and to make her ex jealous and well they go and they do just that and Paxton is looking over and getting all jealous but the chemistry and the sparks are flying between Davy and Bez and she's just looking into his eyes and later outside of the party we see Ben is puking in the bushes, Fab calls Ben out for being a dick all the time. And she got him on Reconstruction because she recently watched a PBS documentary of it, which this goes against what she said last episode that she only listens to podcasts. Yeah. And Ben responds by saying, Baby broke his heart. And she asked... And... Ben responds by saying Davy broke his heart and asked Fab not to tell her, which um, he picked the right person to tell that to because Fab actually knows how to keep a secret. If he had told Eleanor, everyone will know by tomorrow. By this evening. Before the party's over. <laughs> by, on the group text. <laughs> the group text. We head back to
0: the drama-filled <laughs> Golu party and we see Smitha, Auntie, is on a stretcher. <laughs> oh, my God as she's being wheeled out. <laughs> Was she wearing a neck brace? I can't remember, but she's strapped in. She says, there is no goodie bag that can make up for what has transpired tonight. <laughs> Pati and Kamla, despite having to send a friend to the hospital, are having a conversation about Manish. Patti doesn't think he's serious enough, and he'll always make messes for Kamla to clean up. Case in point, her frenemies being hauled off to the hospital, and just because he memorized the Wikipedia page doesn't mean he knows anything. And Kamala's was like, uh, "Pump your brakes." He makes me happy, and Patti acknowledges that she wants. Patti acknowledges that she wants her to be happy, but she does not seem like she's going to come around. In the end, she asks Kamala to not have Manish come over,
1: and Kamala was like, "You know what? I'm moving out. Nice." so outside the front of the house nerdish and Davy have taken a ride share home together and she's getting dropped off first and he asks if it would be okay if he texted her and she says yes and no not and Davy gets inside and nalani said that she missed quite the excitement but that raya and bez had a good time she already knows this Des has already texted raya raya's already texted her in the walk from the car to the, to the door of the house thirsty so uh, baby goes upstairs gets that old composition notebook out and tears out the page from season one that says i will have sex with paxton hall yoshida and writes i have a crush on this oh my god i love this
0: i love that for her